Hello and welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 84. I'm your host, M. With me is my regular co-host, Jackson. I love to video game. I love to play games and talk about them online. I like video games. You know what I really dislike about video games? What do you dislike about video games? When they're buggy and they delete your saves. Uh, what happened? Uh, this is the second time we are recording this episode. <laughs> That is true. This that is the, is true. I think the first time this has ever happened to us. This is the first time we have straight up had to re-record an episode. Yeah. Uh, this was an episode we recorded at like a really awkward time slot, uh, and there were audio troubles. Oh, I couldn't get the editing nightmare. right. Yeah. Uh, it so I like uh, had to end up scrapping the episode, and we're re-recording it. And that's this. So if it's a weird and we're like, oh, yeah. talking over each other about stuff that we seem to know, that's because we're doing this for the second time. We have no actual mechanic to do this. We have we no never framework learned. for how to how to really do this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this is a special episode uh, that was uh, produced by one of our patrons, uh, Olivia. Uh, yes. You can find her at, is it just at Olivia Zircon? Is that correct? Yes, at Olivia Zircon on twitter um thank you olivia um and we are going to be covering the games of nina freeman after we talk about what we've been playing of course as we usually do uh jackson what have you been playing i've been playing a little game called nia uh did you say neo <laughs> no i said nia neo okay i i i knew you liked neo i you liked him team ninja so yeah no the matrix path of neo no. Uh, <laughs> no, Neo. Takes you through. I mean, I played Neo as well, but just not recently. No, I'm just making fun of your Britishness. Because <laughs> you said it, <laughs> and I, it literally took my... Like, I literally was like, Neo, you're playing Neo again? Do and I, then I, I realized what you were doing, and then I was like, oh, let's do a bit out of this. <laughs> do I say Neo differently to everyone? Like, it's Neo. That's how, that's how Americans say it. Like, I've got my accent, but I'm not saying it differently. It's oh, not like you hummus. Just, you just, you know, British R's are a whole thing. Ne oh, is it a bit more emphasized like near? Near, yeah, near. Near, near. yeah, that's what I'm saying, near. Yeah, but when you uh. said it the first time, I, I just heard Neo, and I was like, what? Uh, its name is Neo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure its name is Near, Mr. Near Man. Jonathan maybe, Nearman. <laughs> maybe the ugliest protagonist in all of video games. <laughs> that is not true, but it is. Uh, it's I up there. It was true. I wish it was true. Oh. We'd have better video games if it was true. That's true. Uh, how how are you finding near? How far are you along? I'm like six hours into near, six and a half hours into near, so basically nothing. Uh, you you uh. fucking surpassed Justin McElroy. I I, 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 <laughs> yes, I did the fishing. Uh, fun fact: if you fish three times and don't catch the fish, it brings up an um. A screen and says uh like 72 hours later and then vice is like well we got the fish and it only took you twelve thousand tries and also you i just i yet. just caught the fish like i didn't think it was that hard uh uh so one i mean not to rag on an eight-year-old meme of justin McElroy not understanding near and thinking it was like i understand why he thought this that it'd be a totally safe haven to rag on this dumb bullshit game that no one cared about unaware of the future that lay ahead of it yes <laughs> like t t i mean like everyone was doing this to to dark souls at the time like this was the yeah i, I remember demon souls came out and everyone was like what the fuck is this shit like justin McElroy is not alone in being dismissive of the weird japanese games that have now become massive near being yeah. amongst them uh so slightly rude to single him out but also this is what we're talking about so i'm gonna uh <laughs> 
the fishing's not that hard. He's fishing in the wrong place. He's like, I can't... Because there's a little X on the screen that tells you where to go. He's standing in one place, and the X is not there. If you stand on the X and fish, even if you fuck it up three times, you automatically complete the quest. Fucking, uh... uh, What's-his-face shows up and goes, Nearman, you're fishing in the wrong place! (laughs) Vice, you dumbass! (laughs) You're fishing in the wrong place! Uh, But yeah, I, I am... Everyone Does the near man have a name? Up. He doesn't have a name, right? Like, I just call him near man. I mean, he's got my name. He asks you for your name, and I put okay. in Jackson. I was like, I would like to call my sa-, thinking it was just tasking me what I call my save file. Okay. Um, and then it just says Jackson at all times. In my brain, it's literally just a near dash, like hyphen man. Uh, not near dash boy. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so I, I, I assume that I will have a name by the end of the game. This seems like a thing that this kind of thing will do. Uh, I'm not going to tell you know. about this. Yeah, I know you're not going to tell me about that because I'm I'm very early. Uh, the game has not begun to unfold yet. I'm still in the first playthrough. Yep. Uh, I just did the big. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm stuck before a boss, but I am in the big trials house of rules. Uh, what is this? Every- there's a big. There's a you go through a different. There's a dungeon with multiple rooms, and all of them have like individual rules. They've got things shooting, uh, the bullet hell stuff. Oh and- right, this is where I was like, oh, this game's good. I was kind of not on it into it until around this part of the game. Yeah, the first room's really annoying until you work out how the actual like what they're asking you to do because uh, you think it's about moving blocks in front of things, and it can be, but then you realize you can actually just get past these areas really quickly if you use the mechanics properly and then yeah. the trials become really fun because mm-hmm. uh, I, I really enjoy that stuff i think it plays well um i think that the best part about near the first game is um the just general sense of how place uh and the day-to-day routines of near man as he goes about protecting his daughter from death illness mm-hmm. uh like the sense of the town, the sense of the like, I'm going to go do my, uh, do my, do the chores for these random people because I'm, that's what I believe in. I think I believe in being nice. And then Vice is like, what an idiot. Don't you know this is a world of suffering and despair? And you go, shut the fuck up. You're a book. Um, <laughs> he is a book. He's a very stupid book. <laughs> a very stupid book. Um, so we'll see how I end up feeling about it. Cause I know that a lot of Yoko Taro games are about this tension. I like, originally started with um, Dragon Guard 1, which put me off of his games big time because in that game, Why would the you Vice character. because i'm me and it was a stupid idea Uh, (laughs) but in that game the uh the device type character is just an evil dragon uh and the near man character sacrifices his like to gain the power of the evil evil dragon sacrifices his power of speech so it's literally just a dragon being like death is like all that is meaningful on in earth everything is hell and hatred and then you go nothing because your tongue is burned <laughs> and i still i still game. might like that better than fuckboy 9s so uh, i'm i've not yet got to automata i know at some point i have to deal with robot racism not really looking forward to that but everyone says that game's a masterpiece so we'll see except me uh, except you it's kind of it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and my opinion of this game is that I think the like tone and texture of the world uh, and that just like helping the people uh, go is pretty well. I think whenever the game leans into its tragedy and the plot, it's a bit stupid. And not in a way it's necessarily bad, just in a way that, you know, this game's dumb. It's dumb as hell melodrama. And that's fine. I, th- I find that fun. I'm actually on board with it. I don't mean it entirely as a um No, it's criticism. the most PS- PS2-ass PS3 game that has ever been made. Yeah, no, your daughter is like, I'm dying, father, I'm dying of all this death, please help me. And then on the loading screens are her diary where she's like, I hate when stories have sad endings. 
You're like, well, kid, uh, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh, do you get it? Do you get it? And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Uh, I have to tell the story of this side quest, which is maybe the funniest near thing so far, uh, mm. which is where... Um, so you have these little side quests and you're usually just helping people out in the sad world and they're usually pretty good uh, very small just i'm gonna go do this thing for you and one person says can you find my dog so you go yes i will find your dog it has gone to the northern wastes you sit search the northern wastes you find the dog it is obviously dead you find the dog it has a leaf in the mouth you're like i'll take this leaf back to the man then the man will know that the dog died here he'll be sad but he'll have closure you go back to the man the man is dead the leaf was his heart medicine the dog couldn't get back to him in time and you're like well i guess they're in heaven together now anyway next quest <laughs> it is the most incredible just over the top levels uh of um like dropping the floor out from under you feel sad about this i've ever seen it's so funny uh mm-hmm. And that is basically how I am relating to Nier. Uh, I'm having a good time. I think the combat's pretty cool, which is good because there's a lot of it and it's very cheap. So I'm glad I enjoy the like balancing the magic and the stuff. But I'll check in again next month when I've actually finished the game and have gone through the uh You will not be checking in next month. You can check in in January, Jackson. Ah, uh, that's true. You're right. I'll be checking yep. in, in January. Yeah. Uh, actually, all of this is untrue. I'll probably be checking in on a completely different podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. Check out Voip Life, Patreon.com, slash normal mapping for us <laughs> talking about random games. <laughs> My intention is to do a Let's Play of Automata when I'm done with this. Um, so knock on wood we'll see my room gets pretty hot so i don't actually know if my computer will be able to handle that without boiling me to alive uh but if it can then then there will be a let's play of that to check out at some point the next i mean few winter will last a long time it's true might go might be slow going and i'm not gonna upload any of it until i'm done <laughs> oh yeah fair enough so yeah. anyway that's me what have you been playing i've been playing pokemon let's go eevee how is pokemon let's go eevee i stopped playing pokemon let's go eevee I heard you were conflicted about that game, and then at some point you were no longer conflicted about that game, and also no longer playing it. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I got to Victory Road, and I was in... I was about 45 minutes into Victory Road, fighting one more trainer that just kind of, like, took too long, and then trying to catch a thing for experience, and just blowing through, like, 15 Ultra Balls, because everything takes a little too long to catch, and I was like, you know what? I could spend the next two hours doing this, and then fight a bunch of trainer battles and be finished with the game. But I'm finished with the game. Uh, and then put it away. Put it away forever. Uh, Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu and Eevee, if you don't know, are remakes of Red and Blue. They're basically a remake of Yellow, actually. Which is a remake of Red and Blue, the original Pokemon games. But it's kind. Of, they took more from the anime. Pikachu followed you around. Jesse and James were in it. Their Meowth didn't talk because they didn't actually adapt the anime. That is true here, too. Uh, but in the time since then, there's already been another remake of Kanto when they did Fire Red, Leaf Green. Uh, Pokemon's been doing stuff like this forever. Sun and Moon just came out like two years ago and was a anniversary style game that was all about like, oh, it's what, what would have been then 20th anniversary of Pokemon in Japan. Um, I'm pretty sure I think, that's what that I think was. 2016, yeah. right? In Japan, yeah. in America. Yes. Okay. Uh, and so that game was definitely like a, this is meant to celebrate the whole history of Pokemon. And, uh, that's why a lot of the Alolan Pokemon are gen one, I think really, mm-hmm. um, and uh that game's great and this game just wasn't doing it for me all of the mobile stuff i like is fine but it just makes the game like in the beginning it makes the game much faster and then as the game drags on and pokemon become harder to catch it makes the game so much more laborious 
uh, because it's your like catching Pokemon is your primary means to level up. But the harder, like the higher level Pokemon, the harder they are to catch, which means it takes so many Ultra Balls to catch Pokemon. Yeah, I remember when I was talking to you about this game, and I was like, "This takes too long to catch Pokemon. You loot, you go through all these items, and you're like, ah, it was fine. I, meant to, I feel like it's I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't use the items at all. I just use the Pokeballs, which maybe is my fault. Maybe if I use the berries, but the berries are so limited, I don't want to burn them on stupid catching like Machops to level up with. Well, like the whole thing, the whole system is taken basically whole cloth for a mobile game that is about the economy of those things yes. being dropped down and it doesn't have the same economy but that doesn't matter it inherits that feeling anyway yep. um and i remember complaining a lot about that to you and you're like i don't know i think it's fine because the alternative is like battling pokemon uh but then watching you over the course of the game be kind of dragged down by this pace because it unlike battling pokemon it never changes you just throw the ball yes there's no that's it there's the one motion you go blop and that's it. That's all you do. The entire game. This is accurate. Yeah. So my main, like, sense of this is, like, I, I just... It's not for me. Like, I straight up acknowledge this. This is a game that's for people who are... This is their first real Pokemon, or they dropped off a of Pokemon, and they played the phone game because they're in their 30s and didn't care about video games. But they have a Switch because everyone has a Switch these days. And they're back in. Uh, I'm not either of those people. I've played every generation um most of them to completion and into the end games uh so i'm just not it's just not for me but th that makes it very frustrating it mostly just makes me really excited for when they put a real one of these out uh <laughs> we can actually see how pokemon on the switch feels yep yeah I want new Pokemon. Playing with old Pokemon is so unsatisfying to me. Every time I play one of these games, I want a new generation of Pokemon where I can build a new team. I never want to use anyone I've used before. That's generally my rule for these. You uh, want them to be new, and you want them to be cute, and you want them to be good. Yeah. Weird also. If I can get weird Pokemon, I'm down for weird Pokemon. Sun and Moon sounded like a highlight for that. Yes. Everything is. Everything has like a interesting thematic consistency. There's a lot of weird typing and just Pokemon design. A lot of really unique abilities. Uh, I love that game for that stuff. Uh, That's cool. It was it was extremely idiosyncratic, and this is just Gen One. It's not. It's the it's the opposite of idiosyncratic. <laughs> it just kind of feels like a weird theme park version of Pokemon, and I'm sure that's for someone, but it sure as hell ain't me. I like it when they play the music that I used to hear. Yeah, but like, uh, but like Lavender Town's theme is bad. They fucked it up. It's not like scary or weird. <laughs> I never got to that um, in this game. Uh, I thought I I was hit and miss in some of the um, reorchestrations, right? Like, I thought some of them were interesting, but... I think it, it opens really strong, but then, yeah, the rest of them are very much like, we just kept doing this. We just kept making very stock orchestrations of the themes you know, and I, I'm not here for that. Uh, I mean, it's the thing that, like, every single game company had to decide how to do this, when they had to bring all their sounds away yeah. from the chips and into like actual uh orchestrations companies handle it differently different games handle it differently yep. um they should have talked to the zelda people mm -hmm. yeah i know everyone really likes all the zelda stuff in the later games and how the music evolves yep. I, I mean like part of it is just because it's like gen one there's like a dearth of like battle themes like your your uh your rival does not get a cool theme it just he just gets the battle like trainer battle theme like what are you even doing is that just because they had to keep that because it was gen one or just because i don't know i can't tell i don't know 
Was the, we're not going to put in a new song for this. That would be I'm weird. pretty sure Blue has a distinct theme in Red and Blue, so... Okay, I would have to go back and check. Yeah. But my red, but my fire red save died, and I tried to get it back, but that's actually that's never happening. It's actually gone. Oh well, rip. So if I want to finish fire red, I would have to start it again for a third time. You don't want never to never finishing fire red. Yeah, you're fine. Just play something. Don't want to go through Mount Moon ever again in my life. Yeah, go get Ultra Sun or Ultra Moon. Enjoy that. It'll be. A I've good got time. Ultra Sun like less than three feet away from me. Okay, well there you go. You're done. You're good. <laughs> Ready to go. Yeah, uh, and that's it for the first time. And those are the games we've been playing. It's a nice little yeah. catch up, I suppose. Uh, now we're gonna get into our main segment. Our game club this month is all of the games of Nina Freeman. Uh, this is actually asterisk, not all of the games, not all video games. Uh, this is 15 video games. If you go to Nina says dot. So you can see a list of the games. Um, we are not covering table talk, which as far as we could tell, does no longer exist online. Maybe it never did. Cause it was for an interactive exhibit and the games bum rush and grass stains are both local, local multiplayer games, which we cannot engage with. So nope. we are not in cool spaces for that. We're just alone on our computers. Yes. Uh, anyway, Nina Freeman is a game designer. Uh, she has been making games for many years at this point. Uh, she is younger than me, which makes me feel very old and un- unaccomplished. Um, she went to school for poetry. She is currently a level designer at Fulbright. Um, I think that's all I've got for the Nina Freeman stuff. Uh, let's just go through these games. Yeah, we've got a bunch of games here. We're going to start out going through them. Uh, we might end up going through them fairly quickly and then get into a more broad discussion. Yeah. Um, but... We want to make sure we give them all their due and describe them all. So if that means a lot of us describing 15 games to you. Yes. Uh, many of them are very small. So Many of them are very small. Yes. You should absolutely go and play some of these because uh, a lot of them will take about five minutes. Yep. Um, it starts out with a, a game called A Dating Sim, uh, which is a twine game in which you are a like girl out at a bar trying to have a good night out maybe talk to some people and are accosted by various shitty men uh it is a twine game about being in the public spaces uh and the like ways men will force themselves uh upon you in like both um very obviously uh violent and sometimes much more subtle ways Uh, Uh, yes this is more a game about like microaggressions than it is outright aggressions yes those themes will come up in like other games Yes. more prevalently uh but i mean like there's there's differences in how like they're not all the same interaction there's like different ways that they uh yeah kind of uh are shitty yeah like you can go along with a guy who's kind of pushy and that's like your best ending you can like hang out with a girl that you might be into but then a guy comes up and like dr- drives her off and is very forward with you and just like that sort of stuff yep. um there's nothing that is like outward violence. It is just the low-key violence that you exhibit being a woman in social spaces. Yeah, so that's what I meant. 
Yep, no, and that is uh, going to be an underpinning of all of the, most of these games. <laughs> most of these games. Uh, no, yeah, not all of these games, but that is a central theme through uh, at least of three of them. Yeah. Um, I, wait, I think almost all the children wonder about this just as a child also. Yes, that's true. Okay, yes, if you... Yes, there's a lot of games about being a child uh, in these kind of spaces. Um, the, I mean, the next game is uh, called Hakoten Hakochin? Hakoten uh, Hakochin? No, Hoochin, yeah. Nahuchin? I don't know how to yes. pronounce it. I know it's, uh, yes, it brackets Fist of the North Carp. That's the joke. Yes. Uh, uh, in this game, it is a uh, flash game. You are with your dad. Uh, the young girl, we're just going to call all the main characters of these Nina because they're basically all uh, semi-autobiographical stand-ins. When they start to have names, they are actually called Nina. There's one yes. game set in the 60s that does not have Nina in it, and that is like significant. Yes. Uh, so Nina is on a fishing trip with her dad, and she looks like she's probably like six to eight like young child um and her dad catches fish and then he wants her to like stomp on them uh to to kill them i guess but it's portrayed in a very like mario stomp on the enemies to finish them off way uh but he thinks it's really funny to pull the line to make the fish slap her in the face and you need to make sure nina does not get slapped in the face yep while your dad hoots and hollers behind you (laughs) basically going look i'm slapping my kid in the face yes uh yes this is i like this one quite a lot um, yes, it's extremely difficult to get any number of fish stomped on in succession because you will get slapped. If you do not do anything other than a perfect stomp, you get slapped. The way in which it very, very directly communicates the fucking exhaustingness, not a word, but, you know, uh, of having to do something with your dad in a way that they're not going to laugh at you for. And not because they're being even, like, horrible, just because they think it's funny, uh because that's how they are sometimes yes very good at that uh it's like yeah this one this one's really good in how um concise it is right like you can the thing is getting across it gets across in maybe 10 seconds and it's so specific about that parents can be shitty especially when they disregard the emotional states of their children which is half of these video games we're going to talk about (laughs) yes no the the next one is called my house my rules it is a uh, stealth game in which you would like to have some food but your mum does not allow that because she is uh policing the your relationship to food uh it is a game which you have to like find food in the house and take it to your stash without being seen by your mum your mum is represented by infinite mums um who are on the map basically chasing you uh and it is very difficult to get all the food you need uh it's a very nice clean metaphor of uh how it feels to um have this weird relationship with food with the parents because i i I have this exact thing like i guess i too have hid food in my room my mom's been like what if you got food in there and hoping that she doesn't look exactly behind the computer where i've hidden it uh so this this one um is very good for that Yes, this is a much more negative feeling game than Fist of the North Carp is. Mm-hmm. I, I, I suppose so. But well, I found this one like, like part of it is because it's like a stealth game. It is much slower. It's like unpleasant to play, uh, kind of by design. It's just like, oh yes, way more. Like everything takes longer, and your failure is even more assured. Like I had a really hard time. Like this game's hard. Yeah, I mean, like the thing uh, of in those two situations, right? Is like you have. Um, shitty parent belittling your emotional state but they're not being actively mean and also it is just something you like learn to deal with not to say that like as a defense of it but the way in which you internalize parents belittling you is slightly different to the way in the creeping dread of like going against a shitty demand your parent has made 
because mm-hmm. uh, yeah i'm like i say, remember getting food and being like I, this, every time my mom comes in you're like heart rate shoots up and go i hope she doesn't look there i hope she doesn't look there fuck i just wanted to eat some biscuits <laughs> uh yeah i have a similar like there's a definitely a through line of uh i don't know what the word is i'm bad at this you had, like parental oversight of food in a way that like steps over its bounds and gives you a whole complex about it mm-hmm. because um that's very relatable uh, do you want to take the next game? Take two yeah. Uh, the next game is Deutsches Haus, which is a game about exploring a like German museum slash interactive exhibit as a kid. Like you go with your parents and then your parents fuck off to go look at the museum. And then you're like, oh, I should find my parents. Uh, and everyone is vaguely unhelpful uh, in like kind of weird ways as you wander through this museum. Uh, there's like an interactive exhibit where someone's cutting hair. Um, and you can help cut hair. There's a puppet show that's very bad, as puppet shows are. Um, <laughs> I love puppets. Puppet shows are intolerable. Uh, I uh, You can go find your parents taking a German lesson and help them with the German uh, if you want. Uh, and it's just it's just kind of like a weird like bilingual space. Uh, this one was made for like a project, right? Is why it's like um, this. I think so. Let me check the page. Was inspired was ins- by the Real Dutch House, House, New York House. University. It was made as part of Leah Schoenfelder's artist residency. So yes, this was like built for a thing specifically about like German and English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you can play the game in German or English. Yep. Uh, my German is not good enough to navigate this game in German. No, my German teacher uh, would be very mad at me. I mean, she hated me anyway. Uh, I like German quite a bit, but high school was a long time ago, Jackson. <laughs> yep. Oh, I can't. I cannot get into my German teacher right now. Ask me about that on another podcast. <laughs> uh, I will not. Do you want to take okay. the next game? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, the next game is Ladylike, uh, in which you uh, and I guess Nina is taking a trip with her mother um, in the back of a car uh, and going to the shops as uh, her, her mother. Um, Oversteps a lot of boundaries and imparts her wheel, her wheel, imparts her will, uh, in terms of how Nina is living her life. Like you live with these friends, what do you you hang out with these friends? I think they're bad for you. I think you're eating too much. Da 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 da, and is very possessive and uh, belittling towards Nina, and it very much captures that sense of um being a child, as your mum is very well intentioned. Like parental, the intentions are fine, but uh it ends up being suffocating and very stressful and sad. Um, the thing I think about with this game is that the main... Uh, there's a segment in, in in a car and a segment in the shop, but the, the segment in the car, the frame of like being in the back seat, your mother being like a shadow of herself because she's looking at the road, most of your view being taken up by the seats in front of you, um, just uh, pitch perfect for that kind of feeling small, and have having your life lectured to you in your back seat. I don't know. It was very, it was a very specific emotion. Yep. Uh, I feel like, especially these early games with how small they are, capture are very good at capturing a a specific emotion and very specific thing that um, can be applied in a more general sense in how yeah. relatable it is. And then the back half can be there's like a slight randomness to it. Like it's not yes. always like one of them's like, oh, go get me something from the shop, and you like have to go get it. it's an egg, right? Yes. And then an egg. the egg is impossible to carry, so you're gonna mess it up. Uh, yeah. 
then there's one where you're just, you just meet some other kids and they ask you to play like a like one of the fortune tellers that you open up or whatever mm-hmm. and you could just do that and then that happens and then you're back in the car uh it's all kind of like something negative to neutral is going to happen to you but you're already primed to feel bad so you're gonna feel bad you are gonna feel bad <laughs> you know which i think is f- true of all of these yeah i mean like especially in this and um I mean, all of these games so far that we've talked about have been about the, like, uh, Digital House maybe less because it's not as negative, but uh, revolve around the lack of agency you have as a child, even though you're still a whole person with an emotional well-being that you want to look after. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, like, a good half of these games, probably more, are so much about, like, when you are in the headspace where you are in a bad place, it is impossible to climb out of it. Mm-hmm. Like. It, like everything just contributes to the narrative and the pressure of what's going on with you. Yes. Um, which uh, we'll get to with our very next video game. Yeah. Would you like to take? Um, yeah. Um... The next game is called Mangia. Um, it is a twine. It is a much more like strict twine game than most of the other ones are. Uh, it is just you going through these selections as you are Nina um, and something's wrong with you and you feel weird about it. Uh, cause you have like weird stomach problems that make it hard to eat. And then you're like, should I go to the doctor? Should I talk to my mom? Should I talk to my boyfriend? You go to the doctor and you're diagnosed with like a esophageal upper stomach d- disorder that makes it hard to like swallow, uh, food that isn't like well, like, uh, chopped up or whatever. Um, and then you feel weird about that cause you have a weird relationship with food cause your mom is very critical of your, your self image, uh, and who you are and what you're eating. And your boyfriend tries really hard to understand, but he's just a stupid boy and stupid boys never understand. <laughs> yeah. He's so well-meaning and he knows nothing. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, this also introduces this idea that like the Ninas were presented here are usually characters that are like really, they really want to please the person they're with to the point where they will just bury their emotions and struggle through like a bad situation to try to make the other person feel better. And it just makes them feel worse. Cause that's no way to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean that like, there's a lot of this stuff, especially as we get to some of the more famous games like Sabelle, uh, that, um, deal with characters like the Ninas presented in them are always like struggling because that's who you are. You're a person, you struggle and you have your own needs, but then they all often get buried too. Um, just prop up the emotional states of these very boring men. Uh, yes. And the, the games know that. Uh, yes. And they're about exploring that tension. Yep. Uh, and it feels very honest and sad in a very true way. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to take the next game again? Because I'm bad at explaining this one. Okay, so the next one is called Perishable. It is a twine game uh, in which you are... The you that is playing the game that is not like given a name or anything is being asked questions, kind of like a personality test. Uh, and you have three answers. And every time you give an answer, you're given a poem. Um, the poems are not randomized and then you read the poem and then you get like some narration that like it builds into a narrative of you being like an android or like a cyborg augmented person who is uh some sort of sex worker uh maybe just like a you know like a um uh what i want here like a companion um Mm -hmm. and uh your situation is always that you are struggling to present the person that the like the image of the person that the men will want and how difficult and confusing and uh damaging that can be uh through like snippets of poem and this vague sci-fi narration um 
because this is so poetry driven, it is uh, a game with like with a lot of tone, but not a lot of uh, like stuff to hold on to as a thing we're going to talk about here. Also, I, I, it kind of strays. It strays really far afield from a lot of the content of the rest of her games, I feel like. Yeah, especially these two, like uh, Mangia and Perishable, feel very directly compar- com- comparable in that um, most everything so far has been a not just a game that is a like narrative driven game about an event, but a game that presents itself as autobiographical, a game starring Nina. Uh, and this is the first game. It's like this is a character that is being talked about. It's very similar themes, but is abstracted. Um, through multiple layers because of how direct and confessional the games up to this point have been. Uh, so I think it's really interesting that those two things are right next to each other. Yes. Um, I, I prefer, I like, I prefer the approach of a uh, Magia. I, I am also wasn't like, Perishable wasn't one of my favorites here, but it's definitely like effective in terms of the tone it gets across. Yeah. Uh, per- like for a, like just text on a HTML page twine, it is very good at evoking a mood um and like the imagery is good because it you know it's poems written by someone who knows what a poem is <laughs> yes it counts for a um, lot i went to um i went to you know did a three years creative writing uh and there are a lot of poems not written by people who knew what poems were <laughs> uh, oh hell yeah yeah uh, yeah so like good poems is always nice uh i think it um when it is surrounded by all these games that are so specific about the things they are evoking, uh, it isn't um, as directly uh, impactful. But I think in the context of playing all of them and seeing one that is more abstract, there's like a lot of value in it there because it is yeah. such a different approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you want to take the next two? I will take the next two. We First of all, we have Space Dad, uh, a game in which Nina is sitting on the step uh, being talking to a friend uh, who's talking about how great her dad is and he's like I don't know what my dad's up to right now he's off trucking um, and he is off trucking she imagines him trucking in space uh, he is delivering all the gifts and must get back to earth in time to meet her and that is the game you play a space dad uh, you deliver these gifts in this short mini game of throwing the gifts down to the different planets uh, racing against the clock to get back home uh, and it's got a great song playing in the background yes uh, and it's uh, it's the first game here that feels like really upbeat yeah um, um it's also like a vaguely anime inspired in a way that like starts to creep into a lot of the other games mm-hmm. like you get a sense of like a creator that's like i'm really inspired by anime but i didn't put that in my games until i like got confident enough <laughs> <laughs> yes because the alt game space and like anime spaces basically exist in different planets <laughs> I, I guess that was true, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. It, it doesn't feel like that now, as everyone's got older in the like yeah. l- 2014 era lines. Because like, we were there. There's yeah. little games we saw coming out at the time. Didn't engage with a lot of these personally at the time, but it was a space we were both in. And yeah, you're right. That did that, There were hard lines there. Yeah. Everyone grew up and just admitted that they liked anime. And it, the <sighs> world's much better off. Oh, it's so much better now. <laughs> yes. Uh, this um, game also has uh, the weirdest thing in 2018 of just a positive depiction of Obama as president of Earth giving Space Dad an award, and everything about it is weird now. <laughs> uh, 2014, long time ago. Yeah. Remember when Obama was cool? Uh, he is going to have a basketball match with Sean Vanaban. <laughs> God. <laughs> the deepest of cuts. <laughs> I think he could take him. 
Uh, um, I bet. I mean, Obama's old now, so I bet Sean Vanek can Von Vanek could dunk on Obama. Absolutely. <laughs> dunk on Obama. Oh, god, deep cuts. Um, but yeah, I, I like this game quite a bit. Um, it is dealing. It is like dealing with the like negative subject matter of like parental absence because of capitalism and work. But it doesn't. There's no. Um, resentment or blame there in this one yeah like the parent is not like disregarding the child's feelings it's just parents are gone sometimes yeah uh as opposed (laughs) to um a pretty ornament i made which is the next game uh in which nina is she's at her grandma's house right yes Uh, and her mother her mother and grandma are having a conversation while she is making some ornaments for the tree she is filling some baubles with tinsel or something um I think that that's what I interpreted as I may have just like glitter, just like glitter and like little confetti and stuff. Yeah, just filling filling up these ornaments. Uh, And the game is the actions you take are the rote uh, motor actions of just filling these ornaments and creating these objects. uh, While in the background, uh, her mother and grandma uh, start to get into an argument, which starts low and except there's like tension there that's very palpable and eventually builds up into it. uh, It kind of imploding from it. It definitely explodes. It breaks out of its subtext and becomes an actual fight. Yes. Uh, and all you do is just keep working on your ornaments until you are just taken home because you're not really uh, germane to the uh, discussion. You are yeah. Eventually, your mom just ride. grabs your hand and said, "We're getting out of here," and then you leave in the dark, cold snow. Uh, yeah, it's a very sad game. Yes, um, especially with uh, what we've talked about so far, like you know, my house, my rules. Uh, the game about um, uh, mother, like. Uh, enforcing this like shitty view of food uh dad slapping in the face with the carp and everything like the stuff is there and present but we've never got the part where it's actually blown up uh yeah but also like depicted as like a generational thing like it's mm-hmm. not just your parents are shitty it's your parents are shitty because their parents were shitty yes there are three generations in this game all bouncing off each other and because that's how things work yeah uh and it's it feels very honest and very sad um the way in which you just go through these uh boring actions as the argument uh builds and just the more you just, i'm just gonna press the button at the right time and make the thing happen and that's just what i'm gonna do is just the most true thing to, like i do that now having arguments mm-hmm. <laughs> like um so I, I really like this one this is one of my favorite games in the set okay uh, the next game we have is How Do You Do It, which is where I organically came to play my first Nina Freeman game back in 2014. Yes, uh, this game was an IGF finalist. Um, in this game, you are a young Nina, probably, uh, what, like, probably like eight again, right? Around that age. Around young that kid. Age. You see, she sees Titanic for the first time and is confused by the sex scene and so replicates it with her dolls by getting two like Barbie Ken dolls, uh, undressing them, and then smashing them together in various poses <laughs> while her mom is gone. Uh, yeah. Being very confused as to how they could possibly fit together into anything that makes sense to a child's mind. Uh, it's Look, it's very confusing. Yes, it is very confusing. Uh, this game, uh, we'll link it in the show notes. Uh, me and my partner, Destiny, did a Let's Play, kind of, of this game, talking about it back in the day, um, a long time ago now. Uh, <laughs> yes. But it is on the YouTube channel, so I'll uh, link it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this game a lot. It's still like, 
it's it's weird because like so many of these are about like negative depictions of childhood and this one for me or like at least like like sadly nostalgic ones and this one to me is very much just like this is the thing that all children go through and it's a good normal thing to talk about in a way that seems much more positive than pretty much every game we've seen so far yeah like there's no there's no it's not like the parent is like you can't know about sex because we're religious or like some other subtext that would be about preventing like it doesn't feel illicit because of some disregard on part of the environment or the specific like circumstances of the child being depicted it just feels universal and true yeah Uh, kids know that there's something weird here that they shouldn't tell and like talk about but they are also fascinated because it doesn't make any fucking sense yeah that's true (laughs) And you you wiggle these dolls around, and mostly and it's really hard to like actually line them up. It's funny because you are an adult playing this who knows what sex is. Uh, yes. And you press the buttons, and it's actually really hard to make them line up properly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this one is great. Uh, and definitely, when you play them all together, it, the like bright spot nature of it sticks out way more. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do the next one? Yeah, I'll take Freshman Year, which is the next game. It is a short visual novel. It is very similar to a dating sim in that it is a, a short visual novel uh, about going to a bar uh, and dealing with shitty men. But in this game, uh, it is it, not as branching because it's uh, a visual novel, so there's like, more art to do and less uh, branching of Twine games. Um, and you are going to meet uh, your friend... Um, your friend Jenna, uh, and she's late. She's late at the bar. You hang out with your friends there, and they're your friends, but you're a freshman, so you don't know any of them, uh, and you just kind of hang around, and then the bouncer starts to uh, force himself upon you, lightly at first, but eventually, like, very forcefully, and it is only broken up by the arrival of Jenna, eventually. Uh, And that is the whole game. There's a short vignette about this one thing. Uh, As compared to um, a dating sim, it is, like the much more explicit about this guy just forcing himself on you it's less low level uncomfortable and more high level uncomfortable yes and it is about the escalation from one to the other uh yeah this is a, a much more unpleasant game um it, it comes it seems like it comes from a much more like comfortable being angry in public kind of as like a game maker space mm-hmm. um which is, I feel like, creeps into these games as we go along. Like, there's much more, like, engaging with honest emotions and less, like, personal remove from some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's also the first one that is all about, like, a technological interface because you are constantly checking your texts uh, with your friend who does not show up, uh, which will creep into these games when we get to, like, the big ones in a big way. Yeah, like, it's not in the majority of this game, these games, but by the time you get to the, like, more well-known and like higher budgets bigger projects on this list that is the central theme of all of them mm-hmm. uh, this is where it really starts to show up because yeah your your phone is your one thing You're like I, it's my phone i'm gonna check my phone while i'm in this awkward situation and don't really know anyone because yep that's how college is yep uh okay uh the next game is called kimmy uh kimmy is the first really large game here um yes it's the longest game here probably yes uh no, Lost Memories. Is uh, much Lost Memories actually might be longer. It has yes. it's less it listed as less long on the site, but I think it yes. is longer. Uh, anyway, Kimmy is a visual novel. Uh, you are a young girl named Dana in 1968. I think it's August, right? 
Yes. Uh, and you meet this girl uh, who's a little younger than you named Kimmy, uh, who's just kind of wandering the neighborhood. Her parents seem like they're on kind of hard times. Her mom is like working too much. Her dad is a, seems like he's a drunk, but it's the 60s. So no one's going to outright say that. Um, and Kimmy doesn't really like being at home where she's kept on like a child harness tied up to this like like the stoop railing uh and you're like i you're like i could look after her so kimmy's mom's like well you come by and i'll give you a quarter every day and you can make uh you know show kimmy around make sure she's all right and it is you going around every day uh you take your 25 cents and turn it into like toys at the toy shop the toy kiosk where you can get like a bouncing ball or jump rope or chalk or stuff like that like very simple kids toys and then you persona style spend time with people in the neighborhood where you talk to them and then you teach them one of these games by explaining the rules in like a multiple choice multi-part thing where it's like, oh, I want to teach them a uh, tug of war. And so your options are like, well, how do you start tug of war? And it's like, well, do you mark a point in the center and tie a ribbon around the rope? Or do you do it in a puddle where everyone is standing on either side of the puddle? Or there's one that's like on the stairs, which sounds very dangerous. Don't ever play tug of war on the stairs. <laughs> Yeah, do not do that. Uh, and you just explain like whatever your house rules was. I assume that there's no wrong answer here as long as the rules line up. Because there's like clearly there are three separate rule sets that you were choosing from that are all of a time. I have had situations where there like things have gone wrong. I have like had wrong answers in this game. Like, okay, I, I did not give anything that the game like signaled to me was a wrong answer. Oh, I've got them wrong and then the game's been like, oh, I think that's right. Would you like to explain that to me again? Um, I don't know if there's only one right answer or if there is like multiple right answers. And so long as you get some kind of house rule that sticks, okay, uh, yeah. you'll be, that'll be what gets across. Cause, there are definitely yeah. wrong combinations. And Because like, like with, with, with Tug of War, I've played the ribbon version. I've played the puddle version. Like those are two clear defined variants of Tug of War. Yeah. Then I, I assume that the, both of those would work. I didn't like individually yep. test some of them. Yeah, me but, either. Uh, I, you know, I, I enjoyed the sense of building these games. I did get a sense that the like rules of these games were like malleable because that's what being a kid is when you know what games are. Yeah. Uh, like knowing the game is the game. Yes. Uh, in, I think fourth grade, we had an elaborate, like, uh, like four square, basically everyone in our class played Foursquare and with just the most elaborate rule sets of like custom rules possible. Wait, how do you get, so, so, okay, hang on, I'm stop briefly pausing this podcast. Yes. <laughs> so, Foursquare, you mean the game with the basketball, uh, everyone's got Foursquare, you bounce the ball between them and whoever knows. Yeah, it was just a bouncy ball, it wasn't a basketball, but yes. Okay, but yes, so, so we are thinking of the same game. What yes. is the, uh, what, okay, what's the custom rule? There was tons of them. It was like triple triad up in there. It was like <laughs> what counts what counts as like uh as like an out? How many times does it bounce in the person's square? It was always whoever was in like the top, like the king. I don't know, I don't actually remember the rules, but whoever was in like the king's square got to make their own custom rule set until they got ousted. Like entire set or just one variant? No, like whatever your variant was of this is how I play this game. When I'm in charge, oh, we're all no. playing it this way. <laughs> Kids are monsters. <laughs> and so you'd oust them and then you're like, okay, these are my rules. And everyone just kind of knew what everyone's customs rule sets were. Full Square's good. I think it's one of my favorite of the playground games. Um, I was at a school for most of my time at school. It was at Grand Avenue. It was a terrible school. Everyone was horrible to be there. Uh, and I, I left uh, for the final year. And when we went to the new school, they all played Foursquare there, a game I'd never heard of before. So, And I was like, damn, this game's cool. Why didn't we play it back at our school? Uh, one of the ones I always liked was you couldn't toss the ball in someone else's 
square you had to actually like bounce it in the like hard down on the ground in your square and then go real high up and then hit the other person's square to get them out oh so it because because originally the main rules are it has to do one bounce in their square yeah um, but this is what about in your square first yes yeah, so you have to like slam it down and go as high as possible basically <laughs> just spike so that, it in your square to get into their square so that's not about like pushing it past them that's more about making it so high that they like misread the landing yes absolutely <laughs> of course you like that one you fuck yes. <laughs> uh, we played with basketball so that wasn't really practical other people um, it's like uh like people who clearly cared more about basketball it was like it's not about bouncing it's about making sure it never hits the ground you were just like passing it back and forth as fast as possible no the bounce is key to four square other people play at the bounce yeah no everyone had their own rule set that was just the whole thing uh and then we all stopped playing games we're still going to playgrounds apparently this is a bad idea four square is good it's my take four square reviews high it's the only time i ever cared about doing stuff on a playground normally i just sit with a book during recess because that's who i was as a child oh sure but like i got into secondary school and basically stopped doing any of this oh they just didn't they didn't have recess when i got to junior high so yeah by the time everyone got old they stopped caring people played cricket on the bins which is where cricket belongs that's not i i know absolutely not no one played anything everyone just read books or like drank sodas and talked to their friends when they had like downtime um but yeah uh do you want to talk about Kimmy now broadly, or do we want to go through these three main visual I think, novels? I think we should know? talk about the plot of this, because I don't think we're going to come back to it, because it doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> I just didn't know if we wanted to talk about these three visual novels as like a set, or if we wanted to... No, do you want to briefly talk about the plot okay. plot of Kimmy? Let's talk about the plot plot. So you, uh, as Dana, are hanging out with Kimmy, and it becomes very clear, I mean, it's very clear at the start that something is wrong with Kimmy and her family, um, and you don't know what it is uh, halfway through the game. Uh, you take Kimmy back one day and her dad is not there to pick her up even though um, uh, like someone is usually meant to be there to take her and, and Kimmy's like it's fine just time to stoop they'll be here eventually but you refuse and go in and inside there's, there's a uh, there's a toddler there's a baby uh, who has a nappy hasn't been changed so you call your mum uh, you change the nappy of this baby uh, your mum like forces you to wait outside as she talks to Kimmy's mum and it's like it's a bad situation but I can't tell you about it because it's not dramatically convenient um, <laughs> that is exactly right what she does <laughs> um, which is strange right because I feel like a lot of these games I'll get into it in a second, but... Uh, I mean, like, it's also, like, the late 60s, so I guess it makes sense that, like, parents aren't going to tell their kids what's going on. Like, there were no television shows about how some kids are in bad home situations. It, yes, and it, it makes sense. It's not, I'm not saying it's not a real thing, but considering it's, like, lining up against all these very, very specific autobiographical situations, yes. it feels very TV special. As, yes, absolutely. As then, eventually, you do find out, and the kid dies, and Kimmy's moved across the country, and you'll never see her again. Uh... And, like, Kimmy's family is broken up because they were dealing with a dying baby. Uh, and that's the ultimate reveal. And then you go out and you feel sad about it. But then you go and play games with the other kids because that's uh, that's just how life goes on. Um, and my favorite part of the ending is definitely just it ends and then she sits there and goes and plays with the other kids. Uh, yes. Uh, that part feels very true and good. Um, and there's, like, a screen afterwards that's, like, uh, she didn't remember until the other day. Uh, when she drove past this like place and then she remembered Kimmy and I feel like um this I don't know if this is 100 percent true but I heard this might actually be true this basically implies that this is is a real story just about her mother I mean yeah, uh, the dedication at the end says something yes. intimates that uh, yes. as a thing so it's, it's I mean it's not as 100 percent explicit as literally calling all the characters Nina yeah um, no for sure but the implication is that this is a story passed down through uh 
as like parent's child. Yep. Um, and that part, like the part where it's just, and then it was just a thing that happened to me and life kind of just moved on because it does uh, felt very true. But the like actual emotional reveal of uh, the dead baby <laughs> is quite yes. a lot. <laughs> yeah. It feels very extra in a way that's not really necessary. I don't need that kind of drama in a game that already was like kind of sad and wistful about the ways in which like kids can communicate through like games. Like there's very, there's something very like, games are very important like the like immediacy and importance of games about this game uh because it's like through the communication of rules of a game that's how we communicate and relate to each other and bridge friendships with people who wouldn't otherwise be friends and that sort of self-congratulatory nonsense that happens in games sometimes and it's not wrong is the thing um and i think this game does it better than pretty much any other game i've seen that tackles something about like games are important and good um it's just weird that it's also this melodrama after school special that i don't need and doesn't actually help yeah i understand the like um bristling at that kind of thing with games are important because it's how we communicate in like games writing about games as important i think it mm-hmm. works best here not just because of this game but because it is in a uh, line of different contexts about uh, technology and interfacing with communication mm-hmm. uh, like there's a game you know freshman years all looking at your phone Sibel's an MMO uh, it is th- that for the 60s I don't think it's trying to say that this is why games are truly the most important art it feels more about just uh, low level communication stuff yep uh, which I guess brings us on to Sibel um, yeah. which I'll introduce uh, Sabelle is a game in which uh, Nina plays an MMO and she plays a character called Sabelle and she hangs out uh, with a guy who she talks to on Skype or a Skype equivalent just over, over the internet um, as they play this MMO and talk to each other and slowly form into a relationship uh, it's three sessions spread out mm-hmm. over a few months uh, and they talk to each other they grow closer in their relationship eventually decide to meet um and there is a short FMV sequence in which they meet and, you know, uh, have sex and then are kind of awkward. And then he's like, I, this was, I don't actually love you and moves away uh, and goes back and they stop talking. And well, or maybe they don't. And that's the, that is the end of the game. He leaves, the game ends and it's very sudden and very abrupt and very, you know, like then that, that happened to me because, you know, that's how uh, young relationships. Um, this is my favorite game on the list. I think Sabelle's like incredible. Yeah, it's also like the big, like the most po- like popular, well-regarded game that Nina's released. Uh, mm-hmm. This won the Nuovo Award at the IGF in 2016. Uh, it was a the Game Awards 2015 nominee. Uh, the Keeleys themselves. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, was like an indie <laughs> selection in 2015. Cute. So this is a game Fucking that like please. this is a game that's like on Steam. Uh, it, it's well-regarded. It's well-known in a way that most like many of our other games are like. If you don't know small game makers, you might not know. People know Sabelle. People know Sabelle. And I understand why. Like, it, it's not just the most well-produced. It is at legitimately really, really good. Yeah. Uh, this game so well captures the, the sense of, like, burgeoning online relationships and specifically a pre-social media world. Mm-hmm. Because the mechanics of this change a lot when everyone's just online all the time. But the, like, halting way in which you, like, try to learn about someone but try to appear that you're not interested in someone because that's not how you do anything when you're a teen or you're online before social media. You have to be very detached about it. Um, Listening to voice actors try to flirt as teens but desperately try not to look like they're flirting is the most painfully real thing I've ever seen in a video game. (laughs) This game is like watching the slowest car crashing in slow motion. uh, Yes. It's so 
obvious from the start exactly where this is going because either this has happened to you or someone you know or some like it's so specific is and yet universal in terms of just online experiences yep this uh, was this was me role-playing on uh ride-in message boards on aol in the late 90s <laughs> yeah this is th- there's a lot of this i don't like the conversations in which one of you is trying to get the other person to say that you like them but like not you don't want to be the first one to say anything or bring up any possibility that you could even care uh and this hilarious charade continues after the point they've both like they've both already said yeah you're really hot i think about you all the time this'd be great and they still can't actually say it <laughs> neither of them <laughs> i still have the the person i went through this with on my contacts list i have not talked to her in several years but i could go talk to her today if i wanted to <laughs> send her a link to this game we did not have like the fallout like this it was all very nice and lasted a lot a lot longer than this game but Mm -hmm. you know you lose contact with those kind of people when life changes and you're 15 years past who you were at that time um and it's really weird to just think that person like just exists uh for me thinking about this game yeah I mean, everyone exists. They don't stop existing. No, you know what I mean, though. Yes. Like, sometimes people, like, my big ex exists, but I don't know how to contact her, and I don't want to. (laughs) No, that is, like, a hard line that is drawn for a reason. Yeah. Um, Uh, Whereas this, like, I could totally contact that person. Uh, And that's interesting. I don't know. I I like this a lot. This, uh, like, the credits of this game reveals this is basically about Final Fantasy XI, which, you know, I could have (laughs) guessed. Uh, the fake game is boring in the right way. <laughs> yeah, but also like so much of the interface is about digging through like my like her like Nina's like blog drafts about talking about playing Final Fantasy X two and how yes. much she thinks Nuge is cool. <laughs> Hell yes, Nuge. Yeah, I'm so glad Nuge. that we played Ten Two before we did these. <laughs> so you also could be like, yeah, Nuge. Yeah, fucking. <laughs> Of course, nineteen-year-old Nina Freeman would think Nuge is like the coolest boy, as he just hampers along with his walking stick. Yes, He's like, I will not tell you about Wagner Garden. His not body right stalking now. with a furred collar. <laughs> uh, fucking Final Fantasy Two is such a stupid game. I love it so much. Oh, it's really good. Ah, <laughs> oh, Nuge. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the um, I feel like a lot of the way this game talks about this this uh young relationship that is just a bad idea on every level and the boy is so shitty but like nina in this game it's not a game about how men capital m are bad and violent in the way that some of these other games are it's much more just about the messiness of relationships especially Uh, when it's like your first real one (laughs) yes when it's your first real one um it feels it does it uh it isn't using this as a situation in which it can point to like, and this is why men are bad, or this is why this. It's no, there's no, it's, there's no statement being made, even though there's a lot of themes that are deliberately being played. It is, it feels very messy and very honest and yeah. very like. It, it, it's funny listening to some of the conversations with this guy because you'll go between hating this awful teen boy who is just fucking terrible in every way, and then being like, oh yeah, I did that. <laughs> Like you'll bounce between really relating to both of these characters and really yeah. being repulsed by both of them in a ver- in a way that's just uh, feels very um, adult. And so yes. this is just an adult story about a thing that happened to people. Uh, yeah. Like I mean, it, like so many of these games are about like putting you in the immediacy of someone's pain at the time when they were young or whatever. This mm-hmm. game, more than probably any other, is about like looking back on a time where things were 
like weird and painful, but like there's distance in the creation. Like you can't make this game when you're in it. You have to already be through it. Uh, it reminded me a lot. And like, this is like a game that's fully fictional uh, and doesn't really like have much subject matter crossover, but it reminded me a lot of Firewatch. Um, oh yeah, that makes sense. Just in terms of, Oh, this is just a nice, like a complicated emotional story where and there's no like good answer. And it just a thing that's raw and you're in it and you go through it and then you feel like a mixed emotion. Like, I don't know. Uh, that's always, what nice if, what if games were like books ever? <laughs> yes. That's basically what I'm saying. What if games were like books ever? It's <laughs> the yep. thing I've been talking around this entire time is what if like happiness and sadness could exist at the same time in multiple yeah. different ways. And people were complicated because it was a story about processing emotion. You know, <laughs> Uh, like the way this game ends with this guy being so shitty and he like he knows he's shitty as well he's like i don't actually want to do this and go through this and hurt this this girl because i've got enough self-awareness to know that i don't actually want to do this but not enough self-awareness to not smash well Uh, (laughs) i i definitely read that as like he is more scared of the idea of like actually make a connection like Mm -hmm. it was good when it was an idea that wasn't real and the minute she's like no we can actually just do this we're 19 just come over uh he's like no absolutely not i don't even know how to begin to think about that yeah but he's not like he he's like that before they meet because it's not like he flips he's always like this is a terrible idea and then just does it anyway because he's an idiot yes uh but I, i just like that it wasn't like a, I mean, it wasn't he's, he's totally playing along with this as like a good idea. And he probably believes it's a good idea in like the second segment. And by the third mm-hmm. segment, when they're it's like, let, we're, let, get tickets. She's like, uh, he's like, no, absolutely not. I don't know how to deal with any of this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it is weird playing a game that's about a real person, but I don't know the real person. Um, and I just think like, cause I, I look at this guy and think about this character and think, I hope he's okay now. Seven years removed. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I actually don't know who he is, and I'm assuming. I mean, there's infinite boys like this. I hope they're all okay. Not all of them made it to be okay and got self-aware, but hopefully no. some of them did. Yes. I hope every Nina out there recovers from this bullshit. God, me too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Sibel's incredible. I did not expect it going in to be like, one of my favorite games of the year, but it is, absolutely. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and that brings us to lostmemories.net. Oh, lostmemories.net. I guess I will take this one. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so lostmemories.net is kind of like Sabelle in that it's mostly driven by like a computer interface. Um, this takes place in 2004. Uh, you're like building your fake GeoCities page, uh, like blog, whatever. Um, and while you do that and you grab pictures off the internet and put them on your homepage, you are talking to people through like a IM client. Um, and... Uh, it is while you do that, a story unfolds of your character. You're just Nina again, right? Yes, Nina, Amy, Kayla, and Jared. So yeah, so Nina is going to school uh, with her friend Amy. Amy really crushes on this guy named Jared, who you're like friends with, and she's like, "Oh, hook me up." And then you start to do that, and then realize you have feelings for Jared. Uh, while you do that, you are talking to you said Kayla. Kayla, yes. Kayla is yeah, the your friend. Your friend Kayla, who's like your online friend, who seems kind of more mature than you and much more like grounded in stuff, but who can say because it's online. Uh, also, maybe like interested in Nina. It's hard to say. That's how I read it anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I've been online enough to see when people are desperately <laughs> trying not to flirt. It reads that way to me. 
<laughs> it is funny because I'm I am that at all times with people I'm not interested in. Very trying desperately hard not to flirt in circles where everyone's horny all the time. Well, that, yes, but this was pre-everyone horny all the time. So. I guess that's right. That's a whole different context. This isn't like yeah. when you're in a private account, everyone else is like tr- talking about stepping on each other, and you're just in the middle, like live your lives, people. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so, so much of this game is like you waiting for people to type to you because you get the person is typing um, in your IM client while you're like, let's arrange these photos on my homepage. Uh, the problem with this, the two main problems here is one, the way you can align the homepage is really limited because of the, what the game is, I assume. Because, you know, having like a actual website editor in the middle of your video game is probably a tall order, uh, but it's very limited in where you can put photos and how you can align stuff. It is, but also they just made a fake MMO that is just as abstracted, but I feel like more successfully yes. replicates the like moment-to-moment feeling of playing to MMOs more than this replicates the moment-to-moment yes. feeling of editing a website. And then the second, the biggest problem is when you're yes. talking to people through IMs, you only, you pick one person off of the people who are, like sometimes two people show up as being online, you pick one of them, and then you can only talk to them until their dialogue's exhausted, they log off. And the other person goes away and then like the next story beat happens, which does not at all replicate the sense of being online IMing people in which you constantly had like six conversations going while you were listening to music at three in the morning. And each conversation was about a different contradictory mood. Yes. And you are all moods at once. Yes. You felt all of them. None of them were untrue, but like you're crying to someone in one and you're flirting with someone in the other. And the other one, you're talking about a video game and you believe all of them with all of your heart because you're young. Yeah. And there's another one where you're just like yelling about some bullshit and just sending jokes back and forth. And that one might be less frequent, but it's really good whenever you get a message from it. Uh, Yeah. Like the central feeling of being in I am situations just can't be replicated here because of how the story is laid out. And I feel like it really limits the game. Um, yeah. Because the fact that all... You can't have two conversations at once. You can't, like, send one really dramatic conversation and immediately alt-tab to the, like, less stressful one on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so you can talk about something else for a minute. Like, yeah. every human has ever done with I am. And I assume this is some kind of technical limitation, just designing that and making sure that the spoilers don't cross over, right? Like, Yeah, it'd um, be the hardest thing in the world to make. So I understand why it's not that, but it also, uh, by not being that, it is it can't actually replicate the thing it is replicating. Yes, uh, which is a real shame because the thing it's reaching for goes directly to my heart, and that it misses it really, like just makes it bounce off entirely. Mm-hmm. Uh, because God. I, I this was this was my era of the internet, like straight up. I, like I was making Laguna fan pages in this era. Uh, I came a and, little too late. Oh, yes. God, it missed me. I'm so sad. I'd, I'd hanging out, hanging out in Sailor Moon web rings, stuff like that. Like that's what that's the internet I remember. Can I make a Luna Laguna fan page right fucking now? <laughs> yeah, but it won't be the same. Uh, the people you're not gonna there. you're not gonna hand code HTML because nothing else exists. Oh, I miss it. Oh, I miss it. I printed off pages of how to do HTML that I put in a binder so I could make my Laguna page. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want frames. Frames are ugly. No one likes frames on the internet. That's do true. I want playing media? No, probably not. I but definitely do you don't. Want the, the thing where the mouse changes to a different mouse and has no, a tray I, I absolutely don't want that. <laughs> okay. The uniqueness, like this, is a thing that is like it is capturing and wistful for, right? The, just this is your space on the internet, and the entire, uh, entire feeling of it is unique to you. Like yeah. I can. 
Your Twitter background right now is Gino Ashton in the Starfield looking up on us all, and it's great. It's perfect, but yeah. it's such a small thing. Yeah, like this. This has like some of your friends have pages that are just like here's a bunch of like live fake live journal icons I made that are of my face with a word underneath it, and you could just download those and put them on your page. And I remember that internet. I was on Live Journal. It was all like this in a real way. It just. It, it like creeps up so close on it and then can't close the like gap of like, I believe that I am in 2004 again <laughs> in a way that I think Sabelle does much better. Yes, for sure. Uh, and it's a shame because that stuff's great. Uh, the actual like love triangle, I think is much more pat than anything that's like in Sabelle. Uh, well, the thing with Sabelle is that the emotional content is so much more, um, complicated both yes. these both characters feel more rounded both characters feel like they are going through all emotions at all times and trying to figure out like you know people are navigating off each other this has the similar situation of you know exactly where this is going from minute one and have to watch the car crash play out um but there's, there's just not the emotional complexity there because it's 14 year olds being mad at each other and not talking rather than uh 19 year olds talking too much but not about the things they need to yeah um, absolutely so it's just inherent to the story that's being told but because it takes the same like it takes more time than sabelle actually and because the design is such that it doesn't have the specificity of um the thing it's replicating in the way it really needs to yeah uh it just doesn't hit hard it's what well, I, I don't like this game as much i think it, i don't i don't think it's a bad game or anything but i do think it like misses the mark on the thing that's aiming for uh, yeah, so I I definitely I definitely felt uh like kind of frustrated at like the mm-hmm. it just seems like a like a retread of Sabelle. Like if someone wanted to make a game like Sabelle, they were really inspired. This is the game I would assume someone would make, but it's made by Nina after Sabelle. <laughs> so it's really strange. Mm-hmm. Uh I like the stuff about um I do like the like portrayal of teenagers. I just think it, it the game, the story goes on a long time and you get the emotional state of these teenagers and the, like the dumb shit they're doing pretty early on and then yes. you just have to watch it play out it doesn't really it doesn't there's not very many wrinkles to it because you're 14 yes. like yes and it's not about like the build-up to the fallout that like sabelle is it's like you know sabelle is going to go bad and it's about seeing the thing happen in slow motion and wondering what emotional state you'll have coming out of it this mm-hmm. is just like this is the friend like relationship drama triangle that happens in every single piece of teen media ever. And we've all lived this experience and it it just doesn't have any sort of like emotional resonance. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is because it's very generic. Part of that is because it doesn't like in my, if this was my teenage experience, uh, Jared's his name, right? Jared absolutely would be gay and not understand why all these girls are falling for him. And, it, and he's just totally being nice. Like that. It plays like that to the point where when the twist is, oh no, Jared and Amy uh, have totally hooked up. It's like, wait, he he did like any of you? Yeah, <laughs> he knew what he knew what sex was this whole time. Are you te- what? Fuck yeah, off! He, he just seems like the well-meaning boy who's like friends with all the girls while he's like like sleeping with bo- like other boys on the down low and he can never tell anyone because they live in the midwest like i knew dozens of people like this in school he literally brings up oh man the one thing i love is animorphs you know this guy's no it's Redwall. he talks about how he read he read red and he imagined himself guess. as the otter and he's just the gayest furry in the land that was i misremembered yep uh but god you're right <laughs> And then uh, he talks about how he was friends with people that he like, he had this like 
he had all these friends online that was because of Redwall, and then he lost them all because of something he doesn't tell you about. And you're like, dude, you were just a gay furry. This is you just don't want to tell this girl that you're a gay furry, and it doesn't. It ends up just totally dropping that for nah. He's straight. He's hooking up with your friend, and it's sad, yeah. I guess. And like, like, I mean, totally, a hundred percent. Someone like the gay furry in a situation could just do that, but like, I guess I'll go out with this girl because she said she wants to. I don't not like. Sure, that. but that's the game's not about do. that. No, that's what I mean. Like, the game doesn't like make that subtext clear. It doesn't yeah. actually. It's us bringing that to that. Um, I want to double back and talk about uh, the uh, shopkeeper and Kimmy at this point. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, because there was a shopkeeper and Kimmy. He was the uh, the main um gay character in these games uh which communicate the like navigation of uh being in relationships with boys uh you know from a uh, girl's perspective just so incredibly well that's it's so specific at all times about how fucking torturous that is and how terrible boys are but how you do really like them and you really want to impress them and like so much of your values tied up in that and like goes through all these issues with uh incredible emotional depth and um nuance uh, and then you get to the gay character, and he's like, "Oh, I've got to go back to New York. You can't come with you. It's the '60s," uh, and it's so like very clearly outside of the lived experience of the like. Yes. No, because uh, the argument he like shows up. He's like, "I'm going to New York. I want you to come with me." He's like, "No, I can't. I what will people think? We can't. We'd have to just be out there." And he's like, "We're not just playing house. We're adults now. We could just go and do this." Uh, and it's just like back and forth, the most generic. Like this is someone's first gay narrative arc. <laughs> Uh, yeah it feels so it's not like bad it's just very pat and feels completely uh strange next to the specificity of how much these games deal with the nightmare that is being in heterosexual relationships yes (laughs) uh so like i i thought that was funny yes Um, these are these are the good straight games just let them be that (laughs) Yes, they are the good straight games. Being straight as hell. Yep. The the moral, being straight as hell, and uh, the internet was better before. Uh, uh, yeah, which brings us to the final game. <laughs> yes, this is a very straight game. Yes, uh, this is called Beach Date. This came out just like two weeks ago at this point. Um, you can get it for free. Uh, in this, Nina is on the beach with her boyfriend, um and you just in these vignettes pour sand on him or on yourself with you like the mouse is this arm that kind of flops around octodad like and you grab some sand particles and then they kind of fling around and you can pick up like chips or a wine bottle or whatever and also spray that stuff if you so desire and it's just a silly little thing about like the like idle like goofiness hanging out with someone you are in a relationship with Yep, it's, it's a very silly game it's a it, it is strange because the way these games go as you move up the list they like get bigger each time and become more complete things and then it's just like hey we made a game jam thing and that's very cool uh, yes. i'm glad she still does that because uh, it's just a very small uh you know a very small adaptation of a specific mood um, yeah uh, this was made for the sunset jam which is a thing that nina put together just recently cool. that's cool yep uh yeah I like this one. I don't have as much to say about it as like Sabelle and Lost Memories and stuff. No, it's yeah. just it's just one of those like a moment in time itchios, the kind of like all game that like surely exists a bunch, of, but we don't. I don't really play anymore. I know you don't really play as much. Not, not like much these days. Yeah, no, this like makes me just remind me. Oh, I guess that these didn't stop. Like this, the, yeah, no, the, the sites that covered them stopped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all remember indie static. Yeah. Think about that whole fucking disaster. <laughs> oh, it sucks because I used it to find so 
many good games. Too bad the person who ran it was a shitbag and the whole thing collapsed. Oh, weird how this keeps... That is basically the narrative of, like, 99% of this space. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, this was a nice nostalgic tour through the last five years of games, basically. Yeah. Uh, so did you want to circle around for any grand statements now that we've covered all the video games? Yeah, um, not really. I feel like we've hit all the beats. Uh, I think that these games, uh, as much as they're mostly about um, like looking back on either being a child, or even, but even when they're about adults, they're still looking back from a removed perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, works really well. Um, I mean, I think like a game like Mangia is not about looking back in a way that is like makes it stand out from the rest of these. Yes, correct. Like that game is raw in a way that Sadella is not, right? Even though yes. dealing with um, similarly emotional and tr- like there's similar emotional traumas, uh, not in like that they are similar thing. I just meant they are similarly comma emotional traumas. Yes. Uh, but they're like yes, they are framed very differently. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, I think these ga- like all of Nino's games capture much better than many things like a sense of someone's like internal narrative. Like I get a sense of who Nina Freeman as a person is like better than I would pretty much anybody's games that I've covered. Like obviously there's a remove there and you like, but this is very similar to like reading someone's novels or reading through their poetry or whatever in a way that makes sense. Uh, and is like auteur is like a term that is very loaded in game spaces because everyone uses it the wrong way but like i like nina's an auteur all of her games feel like they come from her and could come from no one else and i think that's really important (laughs) trying to teach the internet that auteur doesn't mean anything qualitative it's just a lens of like all it means is that that person who made it had enough control to like you see their fingerprints on it and tells you can tell it comes from a singular narrative voice Mm-hmm. And that is incredibly true here. Like, yes, we don't really do. Like, we talked about this on a, another podcast. But we don't really do gameography as much anymore. We did this because of the Patreon request, and we thought it might be interesting to like go back to that approach. Uh, and it has been like this. Uh, it's been weirdly nostalgic, being like, oh right, these kind of games that I played a lot of back in the day, and then the kind of structures that I engaged with all disappeared because someone turned out to be a shithead or whatever. Um, yeah. And it was nice to go back and do that. I've really enjoyed these. I think Nina Freeman games as a whole, like. So, like Sibel's incredible. I really like Ladylike. There's like standout ones here, but the like body of work uh, feels so complete as a thing. Um, yes. Like these are all games that build on each other, that explore different themes, that have uh, voices that like carry between them. And I f- enjoy the ones I enjoy more because I've played all of them, and the ones I don't enjoy as much I respect more because I have the context for them. Yes. Uh, so it all ends up. I know. I'm really glad we did this. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much many of these we will ever do because this is like a really specific creator who has a very specific voice and you just don't see a lot of that in games. Like, I'm sure if we dug through Itch.io, we could find a bunch of creators that do have similar voices, but would it be someone with like the depth and like cultural awareness of like, people know who Nina Freeman is. Yeah, She like, worked She worked on Tacoma, you know? It gets to the point where like, I would feel weird doing, if we found, a, if we say found a random account that had a bunch of games that we really liked and like, we explored all these things, it gets to the point where like, we might have more followers than them and be like, like I don't know, games are so small that the usual relations to like distance of relations to art just is doesn't exist sometimes in this space so it gets yeah. into awkwardness when you like i'm going to talk about this person's work as a person and they're like a you know 23 year old who is just making stuff and putting it on the internet uh yeah. it is interesting navigating that tension um i'm glad we've done this i think that like uh all these games are really cool and good but uh th- that is definitely one of the reasons we backed away from doing these episodes so much 
Yeah, I mean, the first time good. we did this, we did Christine Love and going through her games. Like, I reached out and I was like, "Are you are you okay? Someone covering like games that were made with when you had a different name because she's a trans game creator." When we talked to Joffy, like we add Joffy on, and there was a lot of like, are, "Do you want to do this? Are you interested in us covering your games?" And Joffy was down for that, and that's like a weird thing to go back to because we're in a much different place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was one at the time we did we like we did all the work we made sure that Jaffa was comfortable and everything but now we are all different people with different pronouns yes, <laughs> yes. Um, and like this stuff just exists on uh and i don't know i don't i'm not saying one way or the other it's just one of the things to keep in mind and why this is such a thing that we would do so rarely and moved away from yeah. even though when i think about it i do think i would prefer to cover more things like that because a lot of these games are really interesting and good yeah um, but you have to make sure you do the work to cover them respectfully <laughs> Yes, and find a creator that like is bigger than your attention, right? Yes, because like if we were like, yeah, we can't be shining a spotlight on someone. We can't be the spotlights. We yeah. have to be going to something that is uh, already exists, and that that already feels weird because then we're like, you have to be already successful for us to care. That's not what we're saying, but it is like a side effect of the thing we are saying. Well, especially when you're doing like such close reads of like, this is 15 games. That's a lot of video games to cover at once, even when they're small. Like that's a lot of attention. I was doing that. um, And it was a little different because it was a, it was a blog. um, And the context there is a bit different. Um, Yeah. I was doing those, those, um, places and stuff and i would just find a random game yeah. which, you know, and then write about it and you would sometimes play one that i'm like this is someone's they've put their heart into this this is reprehensible this game is disgusting and i wouldn't know what to do because it's not like you know when fucking ubisoft puts out racism game 5000 there's yeah. a remove there that i can just be like this is disgusting obviously don't buy it uh but when it's someone's tiny thing that doesn't matter uh, except for the fact that i played it do i want to like yell at them for that like not really. oh sure but when like we did have voip life recently where we talked about our fifth anniversary and what we kind of want to do going forward and mm-hmm. i do think it might be interesting to incorporate like one small game in front of the big games where we talk yes. about like what small spaces are doing without like shining the entire spotlight of this is an episode of abnormal mapping one of the longer running game club podcasts on the internet even I if we aren't we are. like even if we aren't like we're not watch out of for fireballs we don't have a huge community but we're we've been around a long time and this stuff goes up on a game list along with like the some of the biggest games that have ever been made like what minecraft like is up there final fantasy 7 up there minecraft lily child of geos is up there <laughs> <laughs> well look sometimes weird stuff gets up there elegy for uh, a dead world <laughs> Uh, but yeah so like that's interesting that those are games made by small teams but we feel so much more comfortable kind of ribbing into them because of the distance of like publishers and developers yeah uh, in a way that doesn't necessarily exist in these smaller spaces of here's a little personal thing i made and put up like i I feel no compunction calling uh uh, lg for a dead world total garbage yeah but i mean Um, those people had careers that their job was to make that video game i don't want to come at someone who is making games the same way we make this podcast where like i'm sitting in my bedroom in the dark recording this with you after i got off my day job i don't want to go to someone who makes games like that and talk like pick apart their game with the regard we spend on like devil may cry it's not right. fair to anyone it's, it's not fair no it's not it's in the same we have a star trek podcast and um very like one of the first we decided never gonna like touch fan fiction we like read the books we will call an official star trek book terrible all day we're not gonna make fun of anyone's fanfic yeah um it's stuff like that it's just like you have to be bear in mind the like power and industrial process behind the things that get made mm-hmm. um, and i didn't expect this to become a little bit behind the scenes at the end but i think this is an interesting conversation and worth having on air 
Yeah. Uh, but when you come to creators like Nina Freeman uh, or uh, Christine Love that we covered, like these are people who are successful in the space that are bigger than our regard. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool to celebrate those games, especially yes. since like I'd played enough Nina Freeman games to know that we were going to probably have an interesting talk and not be super negative. Like oh, I like her work. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for example, if someone had meant, I don't have a good like name because, you know, uh, but if someone said, hey, you should do this. And then we ended up hating all the games. Like, would we do the episode? Would we just change the topic? I don't know. I think we just changed the topic. I think there's no, I don't want to put out games like podcasts about small games where all we do is like dig into them. Like if it's a game that we think is like, like has problems, but it's still interesting. I think that's different than like, yes. this game sucks. And also it's a free game on itch.io. Tell them that they can burn in hell for making this stupid <laughs> twine game. It yeah, sucks. It is weird to think about because, like, you know, we're we're not like capital S super successful or anything, uh, but we have been going long enough that we have to we have a resp- enough responsibility there that we have to think about these every time. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that happens going forward. Don't really close the hamburger games. stand, but also please disclose that the hamburger stand closed because the guy choked his wife out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's gonna fucking age well. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. This, the, this podcast goes up in two days. Everyone who listens new will know what we're talking about. Yeah, but not in a week. That's fine. Whatever. <laughs> sometimes, uh, sometimes these like these are meant to be evergreen, but I want them to also bear the stamp of exactly when we recorded them. <laughs> I want people to listen to these the same way we listen to like Idle Thumbs talking about Far Cry Two. Yeah. Chris Streamer wrote a song about Killzone 2. Outside of me and Jackson, no one has thought about Killzone 2 in five years at least. Oh, look. Citizen Kane gets two thumbs up, and therefore so does Killzone 2. So next month, we do not have a game club. It is December. Uh, so we are going to be covering our top 10 list, our top five worst list, and music. As always, we do in December. We're not doing an extra game club because, frankly, it's been a fucker of a year and we're tired. <laughs> It's been a fucker of a year. It sure has. And we've uh, got so many fucking podcasts happening in January. Like, three of our most important podcasts ever. Yeah. Um, also, next uh, in January, we'll be doing Final Fantasy XII. That's our next game club. So get a head start. That game's long. I, I have. Don't worry. Okay. Um, if you would like to produce one of these and be on uh, with us, tell us what you want us to cover. You don't have to be on yourself if you're not comfortable being on a podcast. Trust me podcasts are too much work <laughs> yeah uh, you uh, could go because of oh, the situation with this this podcast and like the recording didn't pan out uh we're gonna be like we'll write up some things to make things more clear about how to make sure uh, help people be a bit more yeah but it, you know if you want to be on or tell us a game to play you can go to patreon.com slash no mapping that's one of our tiers you can also get the great gundam project our greatest best podcast for yes. one dollar a month get you that uh it's every week me and jackson talk about gundam two episodes at a time we're if coming to the end the of beginning. double zeta we are if you want to if you listen if you subscribe listen to the beginning and like you don't know they don't know what they're talking about it's true we don't our lives change over the course of the <laughs> podcast that exists like you'll watch the, our minds be like formed in the crucible yes. of gundam we also now, were in an experiment to create new types and here we are <laughs> here we fucking are we are uh, at the end of double zeta we have five podcasts left 10 episodes to go two episodes a week uh come and join us for the final stretch it is only a dollar a month yeah, at final stress double zeta. We'll be going forever. Don't worry about oh, that. Oh yes, no. We literally have schedules. Uh, the way it landed, the tenth anniversary episode for the entire p- site is perfect. <laughs> Great. What are we watching then? Unicorn is the entire yes. October twenty twenty three. Great. Good. 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 Uh, yep. 
So that's uh, what we've got going on. Come to our Discord. You can find that at abnormalmapping.com. The, there's the link to that. There's a link at Discord's the bottom of that nice. the page, yes. Yeah. It's a permanent link. Discord's a cool place. We talk about Gundam there a lot, but we do talk about everything else too. Yeah, we uh, keep that to a channel you can mute if you don't give a fuck about the robots. Yeah. Uh, Jackson, where else can people find you and us? People can find me at HeadfulsOff on Twitter. You can find us doing other podcasts at abnormalmapping.com, including uh, including Second Officer Slog, a Star Trek podcast that I mentioned earlier, where we read Star Trek books. Uh, soon, in the next few weeks, um, there'll be a couple of episodes of that going up. Um, first, yes. we have our uh, Short Treks episode. We're going to be watching two of the promotional uh, shorts that CBS are releasing for the second series of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, and we are going to be watching... Uh, well, reading uh, the Saru book uh, yeah. very soon. And then Discovery will be that. back and we'll be covering Discovery every week for yeah, 13 no, weeks. January, like, I wasn't kidding when I was like, January is the biggest podcast month of our lives. We've uh, got yep. two of the most important Gundam episodes. We've got Final Fantasy Twelve, and we've got Star Trek Discovery coming back. Yeah, and we'll have uh, another beach house that a, someone was producing for us. Right! Yep. Right! We cancelled the other one, so we're actually free. Actually, all yeah. our burdens are gone. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah for sure uh do you want to tell me about your other podcast the one that is bad the emery score yes why is it bad oh because the music's bad i, I just want to talk about uh, the emery score oh okay so uh, i do another podcast called the emery score which you probably know about but and, and this is your new this is what i do emery score is a podcast where we listen to the music of coheed and cambria and talk you through the comics that have story and lore behind them we are about to begin the album that doesn't have a comic so we're in untested water for this podcast of how we're going to handle it but don't fear because once we get through this album we have a fucking peter david novel to read about Cody and cambria being like born from each other's flesh so don't worry there's some bullshit ahead on that show <laughs> yeah if you think to yourself i think Cody and cambria are awful and i hate their music why would i listen to this know that i too dislike Cody and cambria's music and it's the best worst podcast i heartily recommend it as you make known to me every time you listen oh this song sucks i tell jackson every week this song is terrible i can't tell it from the other ones except for that new album which is much worse than the other stuff <laughs> uh yes yes it is um but yes you have a good time come come learn why we all need mayo at i need you know uh you can find me on twitter at em underscore being i think that's everything we've got uh, so we'll be back in just a couple weeks with some music and some top 10 lists and it'll be good. Uh, enjoy your holidays, play some video games. Some of these maybe if you haven't played them. Yes. Uh, and that's it. Goodbye. <laughs>